Welcome to Season 2 of Free Circle Freedoms. I'm Ed Waters, the host, and we're going to continue where we left off in Season 1, reading out of Visualized American Government 1964 edition. We are going to use a different host for our show this season. However, we do want to thank Anchor.fm for allowing us to use their platform for Season 1. It really helped us step up our game, and we appreciate it. For all of you that want a simple, easy, one-stop shop place for your podcasting needs, they help you get started with all that you need for free. So if you're not quite sure you want to podcast, Anchor is a wonderful place to get started. Go over and check out anchor.fm. And thanks, Anchor, for allowing us to use your platform for Season 1. We do appreciate what you did for us. With that being said, let's dive into Episode 1 of Season 2 of Free Circle Freedoms. In this week's episode... We are going to start in Chapter 4 of Visualized American Government, 1964 edition, which covers parties and politics. Let's waste no time and get into this episode of Free Circle Freedoms. Functions of a Political Party In Chapter 3, the rise of political parties was given as a phase of the unwritten Constitution. In this chapter, we shall consider briefly the operation of our party system and the history of various parties that have played a significant roles in our political development. It has been said that under a constitutional system of government, the history of political parties is in effect the civil history of the nation. A political party is an organization of voters who are united for the purpose of attaining certain political, economic, and social objectives. This they hope to do by electing as many of their candidates to public office as necessary to obtain control of the government. The growth of political parties is inevitable under a system of popular government. Since the party provides individual voters with the machinery for joint action, the party arouses the interest of the electorate in a political issue and presents arguments for or against methods of dealing with these issues. It holds conventions and formulates policies. It nominates candidates for public office, and it raises funds and manages the campaigns for their elections. The party also keeps a close watch on the activities of government officials who are members of rival political organizations. The political group which is out of power acts as a vigilant critic of the party which is in power, directing the attention of the people to the latter's alleged mistakes and shortcomings. The American political tradition is built upon the principle of the good loser. 
the defeated political party abides by the verdict of the polls. That is what Visualized American Government 1964 edition had to say about political parties. There is so much more to cover about political parties, so let's get into it and take a closer look. Political parties are a nearly ubiquitous feature of modern countries. Nearly all democratic countries have strong political parties, and many political scientists consider countries with fewer than two parties to necessarily be autocratic. However, these sources allow that a country with multiple competitive parties is not necessarily democratic, and the politics of many autocratic countries are organized around one dominant political party. There are many explanations for how and why political parties are such a crucial part of modern states. One of the core explanations for why political parties exist is that they arise from existing divisions among people. Building on Harold Hotelling's work on the aggregation of preferences and Duncan Black's development of social choice theory, Anthony Downs showed how an underlying distribution of preferences in an electorate can produce regular results in the aggregate such as the median voter theorem. This abstract model shows that parties can arise from variations within an electorate and can adjust themselves to the patterns in the electorate. However, Downs assumed that some distribution of preferences exists rather than attributing any meaning to that distribution. Seymour Martin Lipset and Stein Rocken made the idea of differences within an electorate more concrete by arguing that several major party systems of the 1960s were the result of social cleavages that had already existed in the 1920s. They identify four lasting cleavages in the countries they examine. The argument that parties are produced by social cleavages has drawn several criticisms. Some authors have challenged the theory on empirical grounds, either finding no evidence for the claim that parties emerge from existing cleavages or arguing that this claim is not empirically testable. Others note that while social cleavages might cause political parties to exist, this obscures the opposite effect that political parties also cause changes in the underlying social cleavages. A further objection is that if the explanation for where parties come from is that they emerge from existing social cleavages, then the theory has not identified what causes parties unless it also explains where social cleavages come from. One response to this objection, along the lines of Charles Tilley's Bellicist 
theory of state building is that social cleavages are formed by historical conflicts. An alternative explanation for why parties are ubiquitous across the world is that the formation of parties provides compatible incentives for candidates and legislators. One explanation for the existence of parties advanced by John Aldrich is that the existence of political parties means that a candidate in one electoral district has an incentive to assist a candidate in a different district when those two candidates have a similar ideology. One reason that this incentive exists is that the parties can solve certain legislative challenges that a legislator of unaffiliated members might face. This suggests that political parties might be mechanisms for preventing candidates with similar ideologies from acting to each other's detriment. One specific advantage that candidates might obtain from helping similar candidates in other districts is that the existence of a party apparatus can help coalitions of electors to agree on ideal policy choices, which is in general not possible. This could be true even in context where it is only slightly beneficial to be part of a party. Models of how individuals coordinate on joining a group or participating in an event show how even a weak preference to be part of a group can provoke mass participation. The idea of people forming large groups or factions to advocate for their shared interest is ancient. Plato mentions the political factions of classical Athens in the Republic, and Aristotle discusses the tendency of different types of government to produce factions in the politics. Certain ancient disputes were also factional like the Nikea riots between the two chariot racing factions of Constantinople. However, modern political parties are considered to have emerged around the end of the 18th or early 19th centuries. Appearing first in Europe and the United States, what distinguishes political parties from factions and interest groups is that the political parties use an explicit label to identify their members as having shared electoral and legislative goals. The transformation form loose factions into organized modern political parties is considered to have first occurred in either the United Kingdom or the United States with the United Kingdom's Conservative Party and the Democratic Party of the United States, both frequently called the world's first modern political party. Although the framers of the 1787 United States Constitution did not anticipate that American political disputes would be 
primarily organized around political parties, political controversies in the early 1790s over the extent of federal government powers saw the emergence of two proto-political parties, the Federalist Party and the Democratic-Republican Party, which were championed by Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson. Respectively, however, a consensus reached on these issues ended party politics in 1816 for nearly a decade, a period commonly known as the Era of Good Feelings. The splintering of the Democratic-Republican Party in the aftermath of the continuous 1824 presidential election led to the re-emergence of political parties. Two major parties would dominate the political landscape for the next quarter century. The Democratic Party, led by Andrew Jackson, and the Whig Party, established by Henry Clay, from the National Republicans and from the other anti-Jackson groups. When the Whig Party fell apart in the mid-1850s, its position as a major U.S. political party was filled by the Republican Party. During the 19th and 20th century, many national political parties organized themselves into international organizations along similar policy lines. Notable examples are the University Party, International Workingmen's Association, also called the First International, the Social International, also called Second International, the Communist International, also called the Third International, and so many more. Political parties, it's been a sore spot since the formation of America. Even our first president, George Washington himself, during his farewell address, warned about political parties. But, as we can see, political parties is a big part of politics in today's world. So, educate yourself, understand how policies and politics work, and get involved. I want to thank you for joining us on this episode of Free Circle Freedoms. My name's Ed Waters, and I'll see you next episode right here on Free Circle Freedoms. Out.